Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Deacon. And guys, today, without before we go really any further, I'd like to point out this awesome background we've got. I uh, basically, over this last week here, I've been traveling like crazy. Let's see. We went uh, team tournament, Delta team tournament, back to back to back. And now I'm actually trying to get ready to leave to Lake Oahe in South Dakota, where the elites are going in about a month. So excited to get up there. It's uh, some incredible country up there. It feels like you're on the moon. I mean, it's just rolling hills and pasture all around you. And uh, it's so open, so remote. There's no very little bit of gas on the on this place. So like you can make a long run so long as you have the boat gas to do it um, because it's just so low, low populated. I mean, I think the last time I was up there fishing a tournament, I saw very few bass boats like it, it even though we had, you know, a 40, 50 boat tournament, whatever it may have been, you just don't see anybody because it's so vast. So um, super cool place. Excited to get up there. But today's show is a really interesting one because we've had this debate off air a couple of times, and I just don't really know so too much about the kayak world. And the celebrity of the kayak world right now, Bailey, has been on show after show after show after his win. So I figured let's get him on with the Serious Angler crew and uh, discuss what things really look like from the kayak tournament perspective. What's going on, dude? Howdy. Thanks. Uh, it took us a little while to, to find, find the right signal, but uh, we're here. I feel like it's it's been a minute since I've been on the old BFTBB. But, uh, yeah, man. You look like you're in a parking lot ready, getting ready for a derb. I see rods in the background. I got rods in the background. We got the Hobie in the back of the truck, and uh, I'm kicking it in a parking lot with a Wi-Fi right now, and I'm sitting here, sun kind of on me. I got a nice wind. I'm thinking about a nap over practice right now. <laughs> Dude, I bet. That's no better feeling. Yeah. When it's like when you have a little breeze and you're tired, but the sun's like warm but not hot. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just I need a I need a hammock, maybe a nice milkshake, and I could be out for probably the rest of the day. <laughs> Dude, a hammock. Man, that's a good idea. I need to start bringing hammocks to tournaments. Dude, I always keep it. Whether in the car or the truck, I have what well, you can put, keep them in like a little bag. Yeah. And the straps are super easy. I always keep one with me because you can always post always up trees. somewhere if it's nice out. Yeah, yeah. There's always some shade. Dude, that's genius. Yeah. Like camping, you know, we'll bring hammocks and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know why. Most of the tournaments I go to, anyways, I'm, I'm camping a lot of the time. I might as well bring a hammock to those too. I mean, dude, you can set up one post, you know, on your front deck of your boat, one on the back and set. Sit in the hammock go. in your boat. <laughs> Connect the truck in the boat with a hammock. There you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that's funny. That's funny. So, what are you fishing uh, this weekend? I guess getting ready for. Uh, this weekend is just uh, our local trail. It's a 
uh, New York kayak bass fishing. Um, fished three of them so far. They've had four events this year. I fished three uh, top five events of the year is your AOI, and I got three top fives. And this one's on my home lake of Cayuga, uh, the lake I basically grew up and scratched my teeth and uh, hoping to come away with another top five. So I think if I can get five top fives, I think I'll be okay for, for AOI. But that's the that's the goal locally. I don't take it obviously as serious as the the Hobies, um, those those national events. But yeah, um, obviously still take it seriously to keep it just because of that competitiveness. But um, yeah, get a little practice in today, fish tomorrow, and then flying out Sunday actually for a hummingbird trip up in Sturgeon Bay. And that should be interesting. Heck yeah, man. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just, I know you're in your really, really busy period right now, which is good. And um, the kayak stuff is intriguing to me because I see guys around here, you know, we've got a Colorado kayak, Bass Nation deal. I don't know um, that where you can qualify for the uh, tournament that's at the Classic. That's in conjunction with yeah. the Classic, the Kayak Classic. But I just, I dude, I really don't know all the different because I see all these different leagues, all that kind of a thing. My personal questions with all this stuff is just like, could you do a breakdown on what kind of the different leagues are, starting from like the top of the line and maybe working its way down? Yeah. Yeah, so best of the best compete on the Hobie BOS Trail, the Hobie Bass Open Series. Um, that's where you see all the big names, all the people that have, you know, reputable accolades in the kayak, you know, industry, I should say. But really, you know, your quote unquote, and it's a small number, but it's a it's actually a growing number mm-hmm. of your your kayak pros, we'll call them. And what I and my definition of pro is you can do it full time for a living. Um, that's where all of them compete. You know, that's where the most talented, most knowledgeable kayak anglers compete on is Hobie BOS. And that's why I went after that series this year. Gotcha. Um, the next below that, it, it's really kind of a toss up. Um, but I guess in personal opinion, I would say Bass Nations next. Okay. Uh, just because of the Bass logo, the name it's associated with the fact that you can compete at the Bassmaster Classic and get on the Classic stage, I'd rank that as second. But I will say they have a lot of steps to make still to earn a lot of people's respect as a trail because they're kind of... They're at like a a 60%. If I could put on a scale of... Hobie BOS does it absolutely perfect. Okay. Um, And even if they're not perfect, they're making strides to try to be perfect. Uh, always, you know, talking to the anglers, taking surveys, trying to improve. Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of, another reason why a lot of people fish Hobie BOS. But uh, basses, they could be there if they apply the effort. Uh, and then at third, I put KBF. Um, KBF just had a lot of slip-ups, I think, over the past few years that makes people not want to fish them. Um, there's some rules that some people don't agree with. Uh, and again, this is kind of talking a little bit of more personal opinion, but um, and what I will say that what's a positive of it is it's a more welcoming trail to your, what should I call it? Basically your entry level tournament yeah. angler that wants to stick a, take a step up from their local trails. Uh, so if you want to go fish like a regional event type of deal, that's, you know, KBF's a good option. Uh, cause like in the Hobie BOS, it's, you're talking almost a $300 entry fee. 
mm. competing against the best. You know, some people don't want to make that stride yet. So, sure. um, yeah, that's kind of how I'd rank it of, of the three. Um, okay. But that being said, all the local stuff, typically, uh, the local stuff, you can only do KBF. So Hobie doesn't have that, you know, that uh, we almost like a farm team in a sense, right? Whereas, like, you have your state-level stuff that you can qualify for the Nationals. Hobie's just straight-up Nationals, if that Got makes it. sense. Yeah. So, so to me, it's almost uh, like the KBF in – just trying to compare it to stuff that I know is almost like the BFLs from like the, the lowest kind of level MLF, but then there's the ability to qualify for that all American and make it to that national level versus the POS mm-hmm. its own deal completely. And then the Bass nation, when you say the Bass nation, so there's obviously the uh, tournament that happens at the classic. And then I assume just because of the name namesake of Bass nation, there's qualifying tournaments at each state to make it to that. But now, is there any other Bass Nation, you know, opens or anything like that? Yeah, so, and I actually, I think they changed it because they had it Kayak Bass Nation or Bass Nation, I think that they refer to themselves as Bass Nation Kayak Series, but I think they actually changed it to Bassmaster Kayak Series. Because I think the Bassmaster over the Bass Nation adds a little bit more legitimacy. Sure. But, um, so each state has their local trail. I'm not sure if every state has it yet. Uh, and then they have their state championships that qualify. You know, you win that state championship or top 10% in the state championship. Uh, one of the two qualifies you for that national championship, the kayak classic. But then they also have five quote unquote opens okay. that the national events that I also think is top 10% qualifies you for that kayak classic. I think it's, I think it's 10% or top five or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, that's what qualifies. Oh, glitching out. Let's see. Um, whereas some of the local trail stuff, like for Bass Nations, has been kind of tough. Like the state championship that I won to qualify for the first ever Kayak Classic was only 12 people. So, yeah, the odds are in your favor is what i'm trying to say um, well but yeah I mean, it's, it's an interesting dynamic yeah there's there's always kind of those uh those differences right i mean like each uh like i don't know it's something i take into account like if you look at fishing the toyota western series versus the centrals or the southwesterns like there's just less boats and so you've got a better chance of making the championship. Now the payback per yeah. event is less, but like your odds are better. And uh, mm-hmm. I would still say like the top, you know, 20 guys out West are crazy, crazy good. You know, they're, they're the guys who are on the brink of, of making it full-time, full-time all across the country. But it's just, it's just, uh, there's less, there's less people because the tournaments are spread out. Um, right. But that's interesting. I mean, one one question I do have. So, like, from a entry fee standpoint, I mean, like, let's start with the the Hobie BOS. Like, that's the top tier. I mean, what is an entry fee in one of those events? Um, how many how many kayaks are are fishing it? What what does it kind of look like? Yeah, so I think it's two seventy five. Okay, it's like I think it's two hundred seven. Yeah, almost three hundred bucks. Um, and Every tournament so far that they've had this year, I think Winnipesaukee 
and uh, the one in New Hampshire is the only one that has not capped, but they cap at 200. Okay. Um, so Toledo Bend was the first one of the year, and that one capped at 200. They opened the signups up, and it capped in 12 minutes. Wow. And then Eufaula, I think I was – I signed up at 12.02 was when I logged out. I think I was like 130-something. Um, so they, they, they've capped out really fast. Um, Toledo Bend, I think, was – it, I mean, there's people that drop out because they sign up to get in and then might not be able to fish it, but they get in just in case. Sure. Um, I think Toledo Bend was 180-something. Uh, Ufala was 176, I think. Okay. And then uh, this past weekend at Lake Chickamauga was 196, so almost the full field. Yeah, and then we have Susquehanna River coming up that should be the full 200. Because there's 75 on the waiting list. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, what's I guess I guess what's the draw, right? For and this is the same with all tournament series right now. And now I think we're going to see a little bit less demand just with fuel prices and everything of of the amount of people fishing tournaments. But I mean, to me, uh, looking at it just comparatively to fishing as say a co angler or a BFL, um, it's right in that same price range where it's a couple hundred bucks. You get to go fish a national tournament, something travel somewhere new. Um, I guess to me, like that makes sense that that's that, that there's the demand there, uh, at that price point. I mean, a, a $300 entry fee, that's less than an opens co-angler, a Toyota series co-angler, a little bit more than like a BFL on the boater side. But it makes sense that there's that draw and there's the demand. I think that's cool to see um, that it's selling out that fast. Now, has this been like in your experience? I know this is your first year of fishing that series, but you know, are they like growing pretty rapidly from a uh, entry standpoint? Yeah. So each year they're trying to. They don't want to go from like you know because last year I think they were two fifty. So they're gradually going up because I don't think they want to scare people away, but also they just want to keep working into that trail that, because the higher the entry fee, the more serious people are going to take it. And the mm -hmm. more as, as these trails, I mean, obviously there's certain variables, you know, we talked about gas that can get in people's way, but the higher these entry fees can go, the higher they can pay out and the more legitimate kayak fishing can become quick, uh, therefore creating you know, it's like this whole stream and we're on the, we're on the bus from the basketball. So we can kind of talk about how this yeah. can create more opportunities for people to do it full time and therefore pull, uh, pull more financial backing from sponsorships when you have more money on the line, because more money on the line typically means more, uh, more attention to that event, more viewership typically. Um, so that's what they're trying to do. But like, if you jump straight from like, say 275 to, 400 you're probably going to lose some people mm -hmm. you know sure um i think you'll still have that high demand it's just uh i think they want to gradually work up to it and work out the kinks before they really you know go crazy um i would love to see one of these kayak trails start having a five day hundred dollar entry fee because right, you'll see a, a, a really big payout out of it and you'll see more people have the opportunity to go full time and i think people will pay it too so, so wait, what did you say there? So five, five what did you say your intro, what would you like them to see? I would love to see a trail 
whether it's Hobie that gets there eventually or even another trail, I've heard rumor of one that's starting that's going to be a big money one. Okay. Um, that I love to see at least a five hundred dollar entry fee. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and like you said, I think people will pay it, man. I mean, just just look at the demand of of the Toyota series, even on the voter uh, side. I mean, uh, eighteen hundred dollar entry fee, seventeen hundred entry fee, like that, like. It's a lot of money and especially after i mean last year i fished three of them and it was like dude if you if you're not cashing checks like you're spending some serious coin but there's demand for it there's a lot of people out there in my opinion some of which who maybe shouldn't be fishing that toyota series level or <laughs> <laughs> the bassmaster opens but More they money have, for you. have the ability <laughs> right i mean it's it but <laughs> heck, i was a donator last year but like i just like that's that's how it is and it's kind of a uh uh, interesting concept there's 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 money out there and so there's demand and uh, i think there's the same is true for the kayak side and like you said obviously anyone who's full-time full-time i mean someone who has the ability to fish as their as their full-time thing they maybe have a youtube channel they've got additional sources of revenue but i mean they're gonna they're good with any entry fee i mean at that point if it's your full-time deal you're in my in my head the the higher the number the better because your odds um are you are going to be a competitive person to mm-hmm. be at that top level anyways. And so you may lose some people on the back end, but if you're trying to make something legitimate, um, yeah, like the more entry fee, the better. I yeah. mean, instead of a, a $10,000 payout, that's a $30,000 payout, you know, or whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, in most, uh, uh, every hobby so far this year has been $10,000 for first place. Second place drops down to $5,500. Mm-hmm. Um, so still good for a regular season event. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these guys that are, you know, the kayak folk that are full time, they're fishing every single event that they can. So it's, sure. you almost see them because it's less involvement, you know, you're seeing them fish, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35 tournaments a year. You know, they're, yeah. they're running a lot more. Um, but I also on the flip side, and I guess this could be up for a debate, but, um, without really diving fully into it, I, I personally think it's easier, you know, if you don't have student loans, crap like that, I think it's easier to go full-time with the kayak stuff than it is with the boat. You just, I think you have less variables. Okay. I I mean, easier in terms of financially. Sure. um, And in terms of ease of like lodging is a heck of a lot easier. You know, if you're a guy like Drew Gregory, who, you know, doesn't run a graph on his boat. I mean, and you don't need to have the need for charging batteries. I mean, you can sleep out of your truck the whole week. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? No, no doubt. So, it, I mean, I guess it falls back on who you are as an angler and what things you need. Um, but, like, I think from a kayak standpoint, it could be – if you're willing to sacrifice certain things, it could be a lot easier than if you have to tow a boat around, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. No. And and I mean, dude, like I think too, I've had a lot of thought through this. I mean, you can cut expenses dramatically anywhere. It really comes down to, like you said, who you are, your financial situation. But like, I would say more than 50% of the tournaments I go to, I'm camping at with a boat Mm -hmm. and that I've got a generator. I can plug the boat in. I don't even need power necessarily. Uh, I'd like to find a place with power. just makes things easier. Um, Right. But like, there, you can save from that perspective. Additionally, I mean, you can look at, um, 
I mean, a great, a great hack that almost is as cheap as camping sometimes can be cheaper depending on your situation. Like at Oahe this, this next week, we've got 10 of us. We rented two, a duplex with two like buildings next to each other. I mean, it's going to be, I don't know, 30 bucks a person a night, maybe for lodging, right? Just because it's all split between all of us. We're all cooking together. Like, so there's that aspect of it. Um, right. One, one thing that I wanted to get into a little bit, I'm just curious. Uh, I guess, I guess the money though is more from an entry fee standpoint, but the only comparison, I'm just thinking entry fee to payback. So I've got like just a Toyota series co-angler payout pulled up of a 200, roughly a 200 boat field. This might be a little bit less like 190. So something similar just to kind of get a grasp of comparison. Um, so this was the Santee Cooper tournament. Uh, the Southern Toyota series this year. I mean, first of all, you got to understand there's some sub subsidy of a Phoenix boat in here as the first place prize as a co-angler. Yeah. So, so that helps. So that uh, one yeah, it helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, first, first place is 34 grand, 35 grand. So, mm-hmm. um, so obviously there's a, there's a bigger payout there on the top end. Second, right. second is like 6,000 bucks. So pretty close to that you know, second in the kayak BOS of 5,500, something. That's kind of crazy. I didn't realize that. Is that Steve's a drop? Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, uh, really like 10th place, 1300 bucks. What did you finish at the last uh, chick? I finished 12th. Okay. I think I'm at, I was, I had 1100. Okay. Or 1050, one of the two. Yeah. So, uh, the 11th place, in the 12th place, we're both 1,045 at this event as a co. Pretty um, on par. Yeah, so pretty close. I mean, obviously, I would say that's pretty comparable other than the fact, you know, the top prize of being a, <laughs> a, uh, a Phoenix boat. Bang but boat, yeah. The entry fee is a little bit more expensive, um, probably for that premium. And not to mention, I mean, same with the Hobie, though. Like, you have the ability to qualify for a championship where there's more money and um, no entry fee, that kind of a thing, right? Well, and one thing I think it's different too. I mean, if you're a ethical co-angler, uh, you have to budget money for your boater. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Not that that's a huge budget, but like, no. you know, yeah. if you want to be respectful and your guys running all over the dang place, I mean, I pay, I've paid you know, boaters 80 bucks before. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah, especially in today's gas prices, man. I mean, like normally oh, my, standard, God, yeah. <laughs> my, my standard always was like, I mean, and and it's dude like i've been on both sides right where i'm a boater and i get stiffed or something it's like dude we just ran 45 miles like you got to be kidding me but um yeah you know i agree i think that that you need to i would always say normally for me like my standard would be like 50 bucks like 50 to i don't know 80 bucks now it's probably more closer to like 80 to 100 just because like depending on you know where you kind of (laughs) run and stuff but Yeah. yeah man i mean i think that that's fair and i think uh I think that's a, a fair expense. And, and then like, obviously the boater side's a whole nother story there. There's a lot of expenses that go into owning a boat, that kind of a thing. Um, but one thing I think to keep in mind too, is that like for a while there, there's like this debate of like, well, kayak fishing is so much cheaper. And it's like, mm-hmm. I agree it is cheaper. I don't think it's so much cheaper because you're not anymore. Yeah. You're still traveling to so far away. I mean, even regardless if you're pulling a boat or not, okay, now you're getting 20 miles a gallon pulling or going with a kayak versus getting 12, right? Pulling a boat. But like, right, man, dude, like it is an expensive, expensive game. All of this stuff we're playing. 
Well, and now it's in, you know, in that stream one, like, yes, I'll, I'll still 100% agree that kayak fishing is cheaper, but I'll also agree with your point that it's like slowly becoming not as <laughs> cheaper because like you have people that are fortunate to have de- uh, deals with marinas or kayak dealers or uh, electronics companies, you know, different companies here and there that can help make things, you know, you know, free product that they're paying you, et cetera. But if you're not, you know, right. If you're, if you don't have those deals, you know, you're paying for a kayak. And a lot of these guys have hobies and PA 12s are at least five grand. Mm-hmm. And that alone is expensive as heck. Uh, and then if you're talking about electronics, you know, say you have a simple nine inch graph, say what's, you know, $2,000, $1,500. Mm-hmm. And then say you want to get, eight decent rods that's another couple grand oh yeah you know then baits i mean you're you're looking at like 10 grand just for a kayak out of pocket here yep. you know what i mean and between and i mean mounts mounts themselves like if you want a decent ram mount for a graph maybe a gopro I and mean, that's almost 150 bucks right there oh yeah batteries i mean lithiums almost everyone's around lithiums now those are a couple hundred bucks at least for a 20 amp like it's mm-hmm. they're getting it's getting crazy man like uh <laughs> I was met. I went, had a, a day this past week after Chickamauga that I had to go up to Carl Jacobson's house for a hummingbird deal. Mm-hmm. And Kobe Krieger was there and he, he saw me pull in the truck with the kayak. He gave me a little crap that I was running a kayak, but it, it was, it was good, hard fun. Uh, and, but we had that same conversation of like, you can buy a really nice John boat right now and rig it up for the same price it costs for a really 100%. nice kayak. hundred percent. You know? Yeah. Unless you're getting deals, you are paying a lot of money. Yeah. And it's the same on the boater side, right? I mean, you have the guys and I I don't care who you are from the beginning. Like you're going to be, you're going to be purchasing, (laughs) going to be purchasing boats and doing that stuff. And like you're saying, the deals that comes like after you've probably been in a kayak for a while, after you have proven yourself from a marketing standpoint, from a tournament standpoint, having this background to then get to those deals. But in the beginning, there's an investment and you don't have to go out and get the most expensive thing. I mean, just with the numbers you're throwing out, I mean, I think of my first bass boat that I just sold uh, this December and made an upgrade to a Phoenix. But before that, man, and I, I had no problems competing out of this boat. It just was getting a little older, uh, 18 and a half foot legend. Um, from a bass boat perspective, I mean, I paid $13,000 for that boat. All in. Graphs. I mean, not loaded, like, you know, older graphs, but like a... I think on it in the beginning, it had a Lowrance nine at the console and a Lowrance seven up front, right? Like all in $13,000, uh, 200 horsepower on a 18 and a half foot legend. You go just as fast as you want. I mean, you could fly past people. Obviously rough water was a little bit, a little bit tougher, but I can get in and out in, in tight spots. I mean, dude, like that's not that far off. Now the boat market has gone crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, paid a lot more for that boat now or sold that boat and i upgraded a lot of electronics and sold it for quite a bit more but um there's still that opportunity like you said an aluminum boat you could rig out um you know it doesn't you don't have to have the best of the best to compete and i'd assume that's similar in the kayak standpoint oh dude yeah i mean we'll talk about you know you could take my buddy drew gregory who we talked about already being completely bare bones and he's on this on one side of the spectrum bare bones, you know, three rods, a paddle and a kayak. And that's all he needs. Right. And it's obviously a life vest. And then you have myself who's out there 
And granted, I'm not the most loaded, right? But I have two graphs 360 pretty, alive on there. Pretty close. A, <laughs> yeah, pretty. I mean, the only thing I'm missing really is a like a, a motor on the back or the front. Uh, like I'm at the other a whole other side of the spectrum. So I mean, you can get into it for pretty cheap. I mean, the Crescent kayak that Drew just released, I think, is like I want to say it's fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, your investment doesn't have to be, I mean, you can get into kayak tournament fishing from a, like a, a Drew Gregory need of three rods, a paddle and a kayak for less than it costs for just a, a Hoey PA 12. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you don't need anything crazy. You, you don't, especially uh, granted that I'll go back to where do you fish, right? Where do you fish? How do you fish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that goes back to that where it's like, I can fish that style. I like to fish that style Drew does, but like I am an offshore guy at heart. So that's why I have the setup that I do. Not that it's you need that. Because you have right? out there. Like, yeah, the turns have been doing good and naturally I don't even use a graph. No, you like, you go out and you're like, you know, you'll text Andy and I'd be like, oh dude, like I found him out here. Like, and you know, and you'll be like, oh, this is so fun. And then, you, and then during the tournament, it's a video of you frogging in like no water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a identity crisis, man. I think you want to be the offshore guy, but maybe deep down you're a slight Drew Gregory. Oh, here's the thing: like, I am comfortable being up shallow. I am not afraid of it because, like, that's my roots. Like, I didn't didn't fish offshore, sure. Um, but I've always been intrigued by that deep bite. Uh, And I had a buddy, uh, Alex Coral, who took me to Lake Erie one day, probably Mm -hmm. six years. I can't even remember how long ago but taught me how to fish offshore taught me how to graph. And I've always been kind of not a techie nerd, but infatuated with technology. Uh, and something about being in 30 foot of water, not seeing the fish kind of putting a little bit more strategy behind how you fish. And it's not as much visual as it is using technology and feeling that bite. I've always just been obsessed with that. And I don't get me wrong. I, I gave, you know, that offshore bite, an honest try at, you know, at Toledo, at Ufala, and at Chickamauga. But every time I've been, we've been hit with variables that wouldn't allow me to fish offshore. Like Toledo Bend was 30 mile an hour north wind. So no one was on the main lake. And Ufala what turned into a mud hole because of the storms. So literally the lake was one inch of is of mud. So that screams, go find clean backwater. And then Chickamauga, they were, Throughout the week, they were putting out 38,000 to 50,000 output. So, like, the river's moving at a, a decent pace to enough to keep those ledge schools tight enough. But the weekend was 5,000. So, it was slick calm. So, like, the guy who won, he won offshore. But I think he was the only one in the top 10 that was offshore. And he had a grass bite. It wasn't a ledge bite. Mm. Um, and that's something that I, I'm comfortable with grass. But the way he was fishing that grass was... Uh, was completely unique and one that yeah. I'm still talking to him about because I need to learn about it. Oh, uh, it's a secret. No, no, I mean, he, he didn't tell me it's a secret. Um, so it was, he was fishing a, this main river ledge grass. So like you have your main river ledge that goes five, six foot and right down to like say 18. Sure. But there's, there's hydrilla up top. Okay. And basically apparently what these fish do, I've been talking to my buddies from Tennessee and trying to learn this. 
is when that ledge slows down, like that ledge bite slows down, they stop pushing as much water. Those fish, especially if they have it right next to them, will slide up into the grass. Sure. Um, and what he did was find main river ledge grass, found a ledge, a ledge with a school on it when the water was pumping. Okay. And what it did is where the ledge met a deep creek mouth that goes back into one of the main uh, lake sloughs. Mm-hmm. So where that meets it at the tip of that was main river ledge grass. It was green hydrilla. Oh, nice. So he literally soaked a drop shot, making the same cast along that grass line to that tip. And that's how he won. Wow. Super cool. Yeah. Cause that school was broke up and gone basically. But he, he said he could see a few outside of the grass line and he you know, fished it halfway through the day on day one. They weren't putting out any water and, Caught him on a drop shot, dude. I, I. It's so funny, especially being from Colorado. Like growing up, throwing a drop shot, and then you know you start learning all these techniques and going all these places, and you want to go there and you want to punch and frog and do all these cool things. And sometimes it works out, but like, man, I mean, just just an example too. I didn't even say where I I ended up twelfth at the Delta in California on the Coenler side. I flew in, and the final day I drew. Mike Caruso, man, who's a hammer uh, out west down in Arizona and even on Clear Lake and um, the Delta. And the final day, we were just talking and super good dude, by the way. We had, we had a blast fishing together, but he is incredible and well, super well known in every top 10 picture. He'll hold up a drop shot. I mean, it's just like he's so good <laughs> at it. It's what he does mm-hmm. everywhere. Doesn't matter if it's 10 pound fish in the Delta or you're fishing for little ones or whatever it is. It's just what he does. And he's so good at it. And he's like, he ex- explained that same thing. He's like, man, the first time I came to the Delta, I said, I want to punch and frog and do what these locals do here and like figure it out. And the tides and all that stuff screwed me up and I didn't have a good finish. And after that, I was like, you know, this stupid worm gets bit. I'm just going to throw this stupid worm around. And then it's like, man, it's what he does. And he's better than yeah. anyone at it. You know what I mean? He's just so yeah. good at it. And it could work anywhere. I mean, any... We weren't in super clear water. We weren't in, you know, it was stained water catching the absolute snot out of them on a drop shot. Now, as a cone, yeah. it's, it's hard to catch fish behind someone on a drop shot. <laughs> they cover mostly everything. So uh, I had to think through, because that's how I was catching them the first two days of the tournament for the most part. And that last day, I was like, man, I got to figure out something out because he's he's catching them. So I started ripping a chatterbait out of the back and I caught a couple on drop shot too. But um Anyways, it's just crazy to me. Like that is a technique that still works everywhere. And I think sometimes, especially at least at my level where I'm kind of venturing into these Toyota series and these bigger events. Um, and I think about even co- traveling for college tournaments of like, man, I want to go do what they're doing there. And it's like, at the end of the day, man, if you need a bite, not a bad thing to pick up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love a drop shot. Like many people do. There's a lot of people that like refuse it and call it the fairy wand and stuff. And that's fine. That just means more bites for us. But right. um, I, I did tease him and say that you might've won, but I had more fun than you. <laughs> Dude, I, in your shoes. I man. Dude, I looked, I'm, I literally looked at the GoPro like halfway through day two and I caught like 20 fish by noon on the frog. And I was just like, I know I'm not going to win doing this, but I can't stop. <laughs> Dude, I 
I know that feeling. I literally probably botched my shot at the Toyota Series Championship on the boater side last year at Lake Dardanelle because I got two frog bites in practice, and one of them was a, a three and a half, and the other one was like over four, close to five pounds. And after that, I was like, nope. All right, this is all I'm doing. Like after that happened, I was like absolutely locked in on this. And it, it fell on my face. I lost some really big ones, Frog, and I caught some really good ones, but I didn't end up getting five. And it's like, why didn't I just go to that bank and throw a drop shot or that bank mm-hmm. and throw a crankbait down or do something just to get a bite? But I was just so zoned in because, man, that's just oh, that's my favorite bite. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's honor in that, though. Like when you know that's going to catch you your biggest fish, there's there is a honor code, I think, in bass fishing amongst tournament anglers that you're like, the guy might have gotten in, you know, 40th place, but like if you knew the fish he lost and what he was doing, you'd be like, respect. Yeah. Like, you know, they're like they're just not willing to pick up and go catch the limit. They want to go catch the biggest fish in the lake, which I'm all for, all for that. I'm uh, with you, man. Yeah. There's a time and yeah. a place. And you got to figure out your style too, you know? Right. Well, and, it, and it's, and respect to that too of like the people that have that happen to them. This is total sidebar. The people that have that happen to them, like they miss those good bites and you never hear them talk about missing those good bites. Mm-hmm. Now, I, that's become one of my pet peeves now is everyone's missed fish story that they talk about on stage. It's like everyone misses fish. Like, oh, yeah. get over it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No Post thing. a GoPro clip if you want for proof, but like, don't don't give us the story. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, like it's just it's just how, it's becoming so old. It's how it is, and like you just can't even. I agree, you can't even talk about it. And 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 like, especially frog fishing, man. I've never. Oh God. Well, and there are times when they're just eating it, right? Like you feel like you can't do anything wrong. Now, if it's a really big one, sometimes I feel like you just skin hook them like way down, and that can be dangerous, but. As far as, like, it was crazy at the Delta even, dude. Like, it was, these fish were flopping on the frogs, man. They were not, they were not eating it well at all. Like, I lost some good frog fish, and, like, I talked to so many people that were like, dude, the frog bluffs I'm getting, like, I watched a five-pounder belly flop, you know, on top of a frog. They just weren't, it was almost like that post-spawn fry garter situation where they weren't really eating it and they were just but they were giving you enough of a of a hint to where you're like oh gosh this is what i need to be doing but they just weren't getting it and it was man i I feel like a lot of the times when i actually get one on a frog like when you stick one with hooks and it's not a great big one uh and you and you have your rod up and you are skiing them as fast as you can like i sometimes i feel like that is a hard thing to beat when you actually hook them but for whatever reason even when that was happening dude the delta like these fish were just there was something going on they just weren't getting it all the way oh bailey's a little frozen here maybe oh you there Sorry, folks. We got Bailey in a parking lot. I think he's in a Lowe's parking lot now, which is uh, Lowe's has free Wi-Fi. We were trying without Wi-Fi at a park he was at. That wasn't working. So then we uh, went to Lowe's, and clearly now we may be having issues again. But that's not terrible. We're kind of in that 40-minute range anyways. I did want to get to hear uh, what his next tournament's going to be. But 
anyways, kayak breakdown. That's just cool to see. I didn't really know the difference between the Hobie BOS, the Bass Nation, the KBF, what the entry fees were. I expected, honestly, the pro level to be a little more than a $300 entry fee. I think that should increase. And it sounds like that's what they're trying to do. If that's, you know, if trying to make it as a income, I think the entry fee has got to be high enough to support itself, or there's got to be some sort of sponsor money that's bringing that in. Um, so glad to hear that that number is kind of going up and we didn't do too much comparison to the boater stuff. Just your basic knowledge of like, well, gas prices are higher when you have to fill up a truck and a boat versus just a truck. Um, so I don't know. Interesting concept to me. I think it's really cool. Bailey's getting after it. He's found a niche in that for sure and is uh, is riding that sucker out. So I'm excited to see where he finishes the rest of the year. I mean, he's already going to need to be doing some taxes because when you win 10 grand, um, yeah, you need to have that set up. But anyways, one thing along those taxes lines, I've been trying to get a hold of a CPA that works with fishermen, but would love to talk more on this. I have a business set up for my tournament fishing stuff to be able to write off expenses. Um, you know, I'm reporting some of that, that income, obviously, you know, if it's a big organization it's reporting it for you anyways, if it's bass, if it's, uh, FLW, even ABA, our team series stuff out here, that's all reported if you make more than 600 bucks in a year. So it's important to have some of that stuff. If anyone has a CPA recommendation that would want to come and talk on business from the bass boat, from that perspective, I think it would, uh, it would benefit people greatly. So um, anyways, anyone has a recommendation there would love to hear it. And with that, I'm headed to Lake Oahe, excited to get into the front of the boat, not in a team tournament this year and, uh, go find some fish on Oahe. I think they're going to be spawning might be, uh, some that have already spawned, but this moon's moon phase water temps like 58 up there. I think it's going to be an absolute bed fest. So I'm probably going to go try and find some clear water and look at them. Love doing that. So anyways, wish me luck, guys. I will be back on here in the next coming weeks. Got some cool shows lined up with some boat manufacturers and uh, other folks in the industry. So as always, please give us a like uh, and a rating. If you are on a podcast platform, if you're on YouTube, subscribe if you haven't already. And appreciate you guys and everything we've got going. We're going to keep cranking out shows. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.